Hello and welcome back to Noah's Window. I'm uh, glad to see you here on a Wednesday morning. And we're uh, again going to just cherry pick a little bit from the one year Bible we've been reading through the Gospel of Mark. And there's a really fascinating passage that always captures my attention in Mark 10. And I want to read it. It's a little bit long, but to get the story and, and what's going on here. So Mark chapter 10, and we're going to jump into verse 32. They, the disciples, were now on the way up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were filled with awe, and the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen to him. Listen, he said. Now, when Jesus says listen, you probably should be listening, you think? Okay, listen, he said. We're going up to Jerusalem, where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him with the whip, and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. And then the very next word is a really important word because, um, you know, we know that in the Gospel of Mark, everything isn't necessarily arranged chronologically. But right now, we have a key word that tells us that this must have happened immediately after because it says then. Okay, so then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, two of the disciples, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in the places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we're able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, this just captures my attention. For one thing, Jesus has just told them in, in a lot of detail what's about to happen. Yeah. And they seem to be oblivious to come and ask for this. I think the first thing that jumps off the page to me is just the self-focusedness mm -hmm. or selfishness even. Because Jesus, of course, is about to go to the cross. He's going to pay for the sins of the entire world. He's going to battle Satan. It's going to be the biggest battle that anybody has ever gone through. And these were the hand-picked friends of Jesus, his disciples. And they're just completely oblivious to everything he's going to go through. And they're all about, we, we, we want some kind of prime assignment. They're looking for prestige and power. But it is immaturity on their part. Mm -hmm. And the moment I, I find fault with them, there's a memory that I have from childhood that haunts me even to this day. And I'm ashamed of myself and I can't undo it, but still I go back to it. I remember when I was, uh, I think I was about 13, and I wanted to return something back to a store. I got it, I bought something and it, and it, uh, it didn't work, so I needed to take it back and get a re refund. And Dad, I could tell he had something weighing heavy on him, but I kept just pressuring and pressuring and pressuring him. You know, I want to go, of course, I didn't have to go right then, but I really needed to go, and Dad finally said, okay. And right about that time, the phone rang, and uh, there was a phone call from uh, Burnett, where my mom and dad are from, and Dad got the word that his dad was dying. Mm. And I, I remember at the time, Dad turning to me, got off the phone, he said, okay, let's go to the store. 
and I, I didn't stop him. Mm. And I said, okay, so I can still remember, I can remember the story we went to and returning it. All these years, I've thought about why didn't I just say, Dad, please don't mm. worry about that right mm. now. But the immaturity that I had at that moment caused me to focus on some tiny little trinket that needed to be returned to the store. When on the other hand, my dad was dealing with one of the big crises of his lifetime. And every time I read that scripture, I think, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think of myself talking to my dad and Jesus is saying, I'm gonna to go to the cross, I'm gonna suffer. And he'd already explained to them, even though they didn't get it, that it was for their own salvation and for the salvation mm -hmm. of the world. It's the reason he came into the world. And they're like, well, okay, all right, thank you for that. But now we want, we want to ask you. And what one of the gospels tells us that we don't read in this particular one was they got their mama they to do his, it. Yeah. They, you know, <laughs> they got their mama to go ask Jesus. That infuriated the, their other disciples. So now Jesus, here he's got this heavyweight, Gethsemane is on his shoulders, Calvary is on his shoulders, and he's got this mother coming and asking that her sons get special treatment. He's got the two boys that put her up to it, and now he's got, you know, um, you know, nine or, or ten other disciples that are furious with them, and he's got this mess on his hands. It, it just really does remind me of the immaturity of selfishness, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, in in understanding what the main thing is, yeah. Um, do you do you think that? Do you think they got what Jesus was trying to tell them? Look, if you want to be great, be a servant. Do you think they got that? I think our flesh just so pushes back against oh, it's that. True. But and you know, James and John were were one, two of the three of the inner circle. We call it Peter, James, and John. Yeah, so yeah. I can see where the other disciples would be really indignant because they already seem to have sort of a special privilege, mm -hmm. and maybe they were deducing from that. But you know. I think sometimes it reminds me of the scripture that says, to whom much is given, much is required. And I think God drew them into the inner circle not to elevate them, but to um, be part of, to see more than the rest would see. So they would be, know even more the burden that Jesus was carrying and to miss that. Um, I just pray that that isn't ever true in my life. Well, you just said that. it's human nature. You mm -hmm. just talked about the flesh that would get. And, and again, here's the thing that I'm just sitting on as I'm over here discussing this with you. I know they're not going to get it no. because in just a, a few days or hours, they're going to go to an upper room where they're going to have the Last Supper and somebody needs to wash feet and, and nobody's nobody going to wash feet. So this is after Jesus right. gives this lecture. So apparently the answer to your question is no. <laughs> no, they, they didn't no, get they it. No, did they didn't get it. Get and, it. And, and I don't know... You know, I don't know what it, t I, I think they had to stand at the cross. Mm. I think they had to stand at the cross and see Jesus dying for their sins before they understood, if you want to be great, you have to be a servant. And thankfully mm. they did get it. I mean, we see it in the book of Acts, mm. you know, that they were very different people, but, uh, you know, they just, they couldn't get this thing about, about serving being great. But I will say this for all of us today who are wrestling with this, and we will wrestle with this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one thing to wrestle with it theologically and look at the story. It's something else for us to look at serving the people in our lives mm -hmm. and putting ourselves second to others. But we're all going to wrestle with that. But uh, I also think, now maybe this is just because it's on my mind a lot, but I also think in our culture, especially in America and in the Western world, we can be so caught up in things that don't matter. And and we should be paying attention to what matters. It's like we've been talking about prophecy. We know what's on the horizon. Mm -hmm. 
And that should be, it, it shouldn't stop us from living our lives, but it should always be preeminent in our minds that this is this is where we're headed. This is what, this is where the world is going and not be so focused on our own comforts and our own, you know, I was thinking about, we were just watching uh, newsreels of the people fleeing in Ukraine. And you know, I thought about all those women and children and the, they've been separated from their husbands and fathers. And as they're trekking along on this road, hoping to maybe cross the border to safety, you know what, they don't care about any, who won the last soccer game. They don't care about the, you know, there's so many things that, what's the latest fashion? They don't care. You know, I think keeping things in the right perspective is important. Yeah. Well, there is a, a great principle right here that I think we all ought to just stop and look at. And that is that we are given position in life so that we can to serve. serve. To serve. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, whenever someone like the disciples come to Jesus, you know, they came to Jesus and they said, we want, we want high positions. And then Jesus had to explain to them, well, if you want a high position, you have to serve. Mm-hmm. Anybody who has that attitude that the disciples had in requesting it, they've never had position. They've never had. They've never had authority because anyone who who's had authority understands that you have a lot of bosses. You know, uh, there's a myth that if you have a position over others, that you can do anything you want to do. That's not true. The higher position you have, the more you serve others. And I've used this illustration so many times. You remember, of course, Ron mm-hmm. and Linda Henderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, how far back is this? Like 1991 or 92? I was mm-hmm. preaching Before in Stephen. yeah mm-hmm. Washington D.C. and the pastor said, "Hey, there's a couple in our church I want you to meet." So after the service that night, we went over to the pastor's house, and Ron and Linda Henderson were there. And Ron was at the Pentagon mm-hmm. at the time, and he had just been given his first star, and his assignment was McConnell Air Force Base. And so mm-hmm. they moved to Wichita. They were in our church, and then. He got a second star and he was back at the Pentagon. And anyway, I was doing a conference up there in Washington, D.C. And I went to dinner with Ron and Linda. And Ron was telling me, I think at that time, it was heating up over in Kosovo. And he was explaining to me that he uh, he went to the Pentagon on Friday morning. And he was told that that evening he was going to fly out to Kosovo. And that he would be there for six weeks. And that he could only call Linda one time a week. And I looked at him with my mouth wide open, and I'm sure he read my mind as if to say, how can a major general be, you know, shunted around like that and told, you know, you can't, you can't call your wife at one time. And, and Ron looked at me and he said this, I'll never forget. He said, you know, I have more control over my career when I was a second lieutenant than I have as a major general. He said, there are a lot of second lieutenants. There aren't many major generals. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what Jesus was trying to get across to the disciples. If you want position, you have to understand it just means you're going to serve more people. It means you're going to be a minister. You're going to be a servant uh, to a lot of people. And, and that's just the way God has set up the universe. Well, and, and Jesus is, is such an example to us because look how he tenderly cares for us. Yeah. And, and, and yet he's the creator of the world. But he tenderly cares for us. We, we're constantly marveling at how he arranges different details and the different ways that he blesses us. And if he could love us enough to serve us, in that way, then certainly we should want to turn around and be a servant as well. Well, I know you're about to go into the book of Luke now, but you mm-hmm. finished the book of Mark back in February, and that is the theme of the book of Mark, that Jesus is the, the servant. servant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, there you have it. Um, we want to make sure that we understand, uh, honestly, it's a joy to serve God. And when we're serving others uh, on His behalf, we're serving Him. Yeah. And He tells us that in the Scripture. So I hope that'll be a reminder today and be a blessing to you. 
So as we close out today, Mark, would you lead us in a word of prayer? Father, we do know that every day, every moment, we really have opportunities to serve you and serve others. Father, I pray that you would remind us the true greatness is found in our willingness to be a servant and to put others, and most of all, to put you ahead of ourselves. Father, we pray that you'll help us in the battle that we have with our old nature that wants to be on the throne and wants to be worshiped. Help us to push that nature off the throne and to make room for you to be our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And one more time, this is going to be airing on Wednesday. So if you haven't already made plans to join us tonight at First Wednesday in the special taping of the 500th episode of Noah's Window, I hope you'll come and join us. The, uh, there'll be a special, a lot of special fun things. The coffee shop's going to be open. And it's just going to be a great time. So I hope you'll... Uh, find the time to come and join us. I think the weather, I mean, we're, tape, we're pre-taping this, but I think the weather's <laughs> going to be really beautiful. So I hope you'll be able to come. If you haven't registered, no, no worries. Come ahead. And you don't have to be registered. We were trying to get an idea of how many might come. I think we've actually moved it to be in the South Auditorium. So we got plenty of room. Yeah. So don't hesitate. And we would love to see you there. And um, Hope we haven't had a chance to meet you. This is our opportunity yes, to get to yes. meet you. We will have a, we're planning to have a photo booth, so uh, Mark and I will be available for a meet and greet, so we'll look forward to seeing you there tonight, hopefully. So uh, in the meantime, we'll look forward to tomorrow as well, and hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow here on Noah's Window. God bless. <laughs>